Hello, and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we get our self-esteem back as we craft love letters to our favorite television show, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're on the 35th episode in the series, Love, Rose. Oh, I love this one. Uh, it's it's really kind of wacky, as we'll, we'll get into, especially revisiting it now, many years later, after just sort of passively watching it. Um, but I love the idea of the friend connection of, you know, the desire for romantic love, of course, but that you have to constantly be reminded that having friends is, is a pretty big deal that a lot of people don't have. So I really, I love the way that this one sort of sums up that, that um, chosen family and love theme. Yeah. So I agree. I think at the end, there's a really nice resolution and I really empathize with Dorothy and Blanche's motivation but I think this one is too cringy for me like (laughs) it's very um like Isaac Q Newton is his his own thing but also it it just really it starts kind of sad and then I feel like there's like a secondhand embarrassment that kind of like hovers over the whole thing and then is is you know super present after they reveal that they were the ones so um I really love how complicated it is actually I think for me but I it's definitely not one that I enjoy watching I guess as much as others yeah it's yeah exactly it's probably a medium for me or or medium low (laughs) on repeat but it's uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting premise. I re- I really like how they sort of play with it here. Um, it There's also- another car pull up before we get into anything. Like this is like, <laughs> first of all, okay. So the cars pulling up is is a theme which we talked about last time. But also, I feel like this next, like the last one, this one, and and maybe even two more. It's just bizarre storylines that are like. Yes not super rooted in reality which i appreciate i feel like that writers were like whatever you could do anything like isaac q newton saskatchewan orange farm like it's whatever <laughs> yeah it's well again we talked about this too we're we're pretty deep into the second season now too right like yeah. the show has already gained tons of steam you know it already has an emmy under its belt if not if not more um i actually don't know the stats at this point but definitely betty white has one mm-hmm. um and it's hugely popular and you know this is like a whole breeding ground for all of these young writers that are, you know, kind of starting out in Hollywood. Like the the first job of Mitchell Hurwitz, who created Arrested, Devel- Arrested Development, another one of my favorite shows of all time. So um, good. So, and Mark Cherry too, who's, you know, done Desperate Housewives and a bunch of other stuff. So it's really interesting because it's like, you could tell that like, I think to your point, they just, they were just like, go nuts, <laughs> like come up with wacky <laughs> scenarios. As long as they were within the confines of, Again, like, we're not breeding minks this time, okay? We're not into that. <laughs> Nothing against animals, you know, um, having actual, like, progressive storylines, that kind of thing. Like, still sticking to the characters, but just sort of flexing a little bit around it. Um, but, yeah, it results in some really weird scenarios. Yeah. So, there's so Rose is, like, super depressed, I would say, because, like, her romantic life isn't going anywhere. And like you said, I think it's very hard to um, convince somebody of their worth when they're feeling down on themselves. And I feel like that's really what they're trying to do. And it's, she's sad about dating, but I think what's sadder and, and what um, fits into the sort of self-respect theme is that she's sad because she feels like she's the problem. Yeah, Um, exactly. Which is way worse than just, you know, feeling like you're not matching with people or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. But also just like, you know 
I think you and I have both been in roommate scenarios, right? Everybody else is doing other things or connected elsewhere. And you're like surrounded by people, but also alone. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of the worst type of scenario, right? It's not Rose isn't living by herself. She's living with these two roommates who happen to keep having dates, you know, and they're asking to borrow her stuff or actually they, they write it really well with the characters. Dorothy asks to borrow her stuff and Blanche just takes it. Yeah. <laughs> just tells her. I thought that was a, that's a perfect like dichotomy of those two characters of how they, they quote unquote borrow Rose's things differently. Yeah, totally. And Blanche has, um, I want to talk about Blanche for a second because she has this, uh, a couple very, very funny, very, very Blanche um, exchange lines, or I, I guess like sort of exchanges, but really it's just like her monologue being this like bizarre Southern woman. Um, so first she says something and she calls, uh, I assume an STD, a social disease. And then she goes, she whispers it. She goes, a social disease. <laughs> and then Dorothy comes back and is like, and you did it without needing penicillin. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Very, very funny exchange. <laughs> and then Blanche is talking about, um, you know, it's not like dating your cousin where the relationship might've had a future. Like <laughs> when uh, somebody's talking about dating their uncle. And so it's a, it's a fun callback. I love when they make fun of Blanche's Southern heritage, because I feel like it, Sometimes it's um, it goes the other way where she's super, you know, proud and whatever. And we almost get to a place where you're like, oh, I don't know if I can continue to like the Blanche character. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, she has exactly. some really problematic views, but this is fun. I like when they make fun of it. Yeah, exactly. It's just teasing, you know, and, and we talked about before. We're from New Jersey and this is basically all of the stereotype jokes that we learned about the South anyway. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, the, the social disease whispering part really reminded me, not just of the South, but obviously of that type of conservatism and the era mm-hmm. and where Brent Blanche comes from, of the whispering, like sort of taboo or controversial things. Like I definitely you know, remember, like, my white grandmother, you know, saying, like, he was black. And you're like, right. okay, he was black. Like, yeah. that's actually not any anywhere controversial or taboo or whatever. But it's just like the way that people in these conservative mindsets, you know, and in my, you know, my case, like this racist white person mindset of like, what you know, it's, it's, we can't talk about these things openly. So they become something that you're supposed to whisper. And it's just, I love that, like, Dorothy pokes fun at her with my whispering yeah. penicillin. It's like, yeah, we're just we're talking about an STD here. Like, come on now, <laughs> it's not supposed to be a secret. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the uh, the other scenario, going back to the sort of cheering up Rose and like this scenario of a roommate trying to you know help your friend that that is struggling or whatnot i love that dorothy recommends like the personals column or she's so excited you know to like do the personals column she's like yes that's exactly what you should do rose i feel like also it's a it's a very likely scenario that dorothy would not want to do a personals column and actually she refuses a matchmaker later in the series um but it is it is it struck me as very true and i can even put myself in that scenario too a lot of times you recommend something particularly with regards to romantic relationships for your friends that you would absolutely not do yourself because you're just trying to help them yeah i mean it's the tinder of the 80s what else is oh she absolutely, do? absolutely. Do but I, yeah i feel like that's a lot of like online dating when people are like i'm not really sure that's for me and you're like yeah. oh just do it just do it you know and it's it's one of those things where you might not even be comfortable with the idea but you're just pushing someone to do it yeah and don't forget that dorothy does accidentally place an ad in the personals later that she'll do anything for <laughs> eight dollars an hour yeah <laughs> Um, oh that's great 
And you know what else? So, okay, so that's the main storyline is Rose with, with this guy. But I love the B story of this um, this guy, Willie, pursuing Sophia. Oh, yeah. Um, he's a li- he's annoying. He's, you know, pretty relentless. But it, it makes for a lot of really, really funny lines. Um, Sophia, Sophia, you know, has like... a great... She, basically, anytime she talks about him, it's hysterical. Never misses a burn at, like, yeah. the English. <laughs> as much as an english guy can get the hots <laughs> yeah and, and i i think he's like oh you know he remembers she's trying to set rose up with him to like pawn him off and she's like yeah. not many men remember when they were when the archduke ferdinand was shot it's just like, <laughs> yeah. so true or at the end when or not well towards the end i guess when um you know i told him uh never you know she's turning him down and he goes not never but with a little luck every six or seven weeks yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a perfect sex joke I, it's it's really great writing he's very cute and non-threatening which i feel like is also why the sort of relentless pursuit doesn't bother me as much yeah exactly. um and then you know also i think it, it is made lighter by the fact that he it re- it's revealed that he thinks she's a wealthy widow and that's like why he's after which i love because that's a real reverse uh gender storyline yes. you know? like we would never that's so rare to see a man essentially trying to be a gold digger and i i really like that i think it's pretty forward thinking for the time i definitely think it is i'm also just interested in where and with what like what is he going to spend the money on in like <laughs> his last uh, x number of years of life that he has but go you willie you know he's just yeah. ready to he's probably trying to leave a legacy i don't know he's broke <laughs> whatever dream on piccadilly <laughs> yeah love uh there's also a ton a ton a ton of new fashion in this mm-hmm. episode i feel like in the same regard of where we're saying the writers go nuts like let's get these wacky storylines out there they just got an influx of cash into their fashion department and the fashion designer is going crazy it is it's lovely if, especially if you're following that type of thing for this show it, it's perfect yeah the mint green silk tuxedo oh. piece that dorothy wears oh, is, yes. is iconic yes it's perfect i think it this makes its debut it's wonderful and you know what rose comes out and i always i think every single time i watch this episode i'm like is that a nightgown or is that the dress she's wearing it's so <laughs> unclear because the lines are so blurred on this show like i honestly don't remember like, yeah I, I wrote it down like is that a nightgown or a dress and i still don't know you're still not sure <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, okay, so the premise here where, like you said before, it, Blanche and, uh, well, really Blanche at first, Dorothy mm-hmm. doesn't sign up for it. She just sort of ends up as a, uh, an accomplice <laughs> of, you know, her, her heart being in the right place to try to write this personals letter because, you know, they get her, I totally get where they're coming from. Like you said, they encourage her to do this and then it bombs. Like nobody writes back, right? And it's I think it's actually interesting that we don't get to see what the actual personals ad was because we you know we got to read Rose's resume in the first season and that was just <laughs> kind of a funny little tidbit of like seeing um you know where she's at. But uh but also speaking of her resume when they're actually writing about uh writing her, you know, personals column ad and also talking about rejection she's like oh i you know i got rejected from like being a whack which is the women's army corps during the korean conflict like rose tried to join the army like talk about (laughs) the writers getting wacky like it's just a very quick line where she's just talking about rejection but it's interesting that they didn't pick like from joining you know uh 4-h club yeah yeah, i was just gonna say (laughs) future farmers of america (laughs) yeah that's a pretty um 
extreme try to I mean I guess like but she also was almost an Olympic figure skater like she's lived a life (laughs) that's very true that's very true um yeah and so speaking of Blanche sort of really getting into it I feel like it calls back the Tippi Osgood thing like she loves a project she really throws herself into this and I feel like it's kind of similar in um in the way that she's so invested in something that has like nothing to do with her essentially um, other people's drama I mean, yeah you know, yeah another which, world again exactly <laughs> which like we can all relate to <laughs> <laughs> yeah in this case you are very much a blanche in a lot of ways mm-hmm. it's fantastic. For sure. so yeah again and this is part of like dorothy's like okay i'm we're gonna tread lightly here because this is a real person these are real things that are happening and of course it backfires terribly i i do love though you know, because Dorothy becomes the sort of co-conspirator when they're um, writing the letter in the kitchen in their nightgowns, <laughs> which again, they're brand new nightgowns because, you know, new influx of, of clothing. Spend that but, money. <laughs> yeah. Dorothy's like chin is like resting on the back of her hands. Like it feels like a teenage sleepover thing where they're like, no, we did that last time. And it, it's actually, it's such a cute little scene, even though it's sort of demented what they're doing. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cute, like this, like intimacy between two friends that are, they're really just trying to do right by their other friend. Um, it's a, it's a really cute scene. Yeah, it is. It is very, um, innocent in a way. Like it's, it's like really cute that they're making the story and I could see this happening to us in a different time. Like I (laughs) feel like I would, you know, like be the Blanche and just be like oh we can solve this problem so easily not think it through at all and then I would be like all right you gotta come in now (laughs) yeah exactly I also every single time you know Rose comes in and she says she wants to meet him and every single time talk about pre-laughs I laugh at least 30 seconds before Blanche goes how do you spell Saskatchewan (laughs) and also Blanche's resistance to send him there. She's like, we can't send an orange farmer to Saskatchewan. Like, what is he going to do? You know, like this idea that he's a real person that can't mess with his economic futures. <laughs> exactly. I know, like the design of it. But when you get caught up in the drama of it, right? Yeah. Like, later when, um, you know, Rose looks him up in the phone book and they their faces are perfect because it is terror, which is exactly right. That's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Rose, Rose walks out of the room and Blanche is like, well, don't worry. It's just for one night because then he leaves for Saskatchewan. And then Dorothy goes, he doesn't leave for anywhere. <laughs> and Blanche is like, oh, you're right. Oh, my gosh. You know, it is it's um, it, it's a it's a perfect scene up to that point. And then, of course, Blanche is like something magical is happening here. And I don't know. Should we should we get should we talk about Isaac now? Yeah, Isaac Q. Newton. So he shows up and they're, you know, Dorothy right away is like okay so any guy who would accept a date from somebody who calls him up out of the phone book like already you say it like nobody ever does it right? already not feeling great about it and then he gets there and it's it hashtag like he, empty nest i know right oh my god I, it's crazy though that the writers saw him and were like you know what we need a spinoff for that guy <laughs> Talk about uh, underachieving white guys. Jesus Christ, 1980s. <laughs> yeah. All he's... of, the, all of the, the people of color and female talent lost. Jesus. Isaac Q. Newton grows up to be a neglectful husband. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he comes in and I feel like he needed to be super... He couldn't be like a quote unquote normal person because he has to go along for a bit with Rose's 
what Rose assumes is his background, right? Because, like, Rose is, like, carrying the conversation, but he's responding in a way that is, like, okay, like, you could (laughs) think it's this guy, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very bizarre. But they also, again, I I have to go back to the, the wacky writers, like, you get so many mixed messages about who he actually is. And I, maybe that's the point is that he's just mm-hmm. this enigma of a guy who would accept the state from a p- phone book. But like, first he talks about like leaving the boarding house. Right. And then he doesn't understand what black tie is, but then later <laughs> he's the vice principal of a junior high and advisor to the French club. But then his mom doesn't allow him to have his own phone. So it's like, I, I couldn't tell if the writer's, gave up or this is the sort of thing where he's like a quote-unquote vice principal and like people like you know he has some sort of like mental issue where people are sort of giving him like fake jobs or something like that or scenarios I'm really not sure and it's it really it rubs me the wrong way because you can see that moment where everything could go so wrong with this guy when he shows up right And, and not in even a like specifically like harmful way but it's just it's wildly irresponsible that Blanche and Dorothy like let him out of him and Rose together out of their sight at any point during this entire scenario yeah totally I mean first of all I feel like after meeting him Blanche is like oh it's gonna be great like they're gonna you know like it's gonna be this crazy like bizarre love story you see what's happening here yeah but even if he didn't have all of these weird quirks like it's to your point like it's still not great like you don't know anything about him and rose thinks she does which means that she would theoretically be more trusting of this guy and yeah like i don't know if the writers are trying to make a joke about like a developmental disability which obviously we're not into like i don't don't quite know and it's yeah that's what i i was like it it gives me, it skeeves me out watching this again with such a close eye because, like, he, I couldn't tell which direction they were trying to go to. And because, like, honestly, you know, we're pretty pessimistic when it comes to this kind of stuff. And Rose is, like, the absolute, like, typecast victim for oh, this yeah. entire scenario. And to your point, where she thinks she knows him already. Like, that's fucked up. This is like catfishing in the 1980s, you know? Yeah. But, like, reverse <laughs> catfishing. Like, she invited him into her home and into her life. It's it's really bizarre. And it's okay. It works out fine. He figures out the difference between champagne and punch. He thinks that the crazy, you know, couch in the women's bathroom is a toilet. Which, like, why do we have couches in there anyway? I totally get it, dude. But um, <laughs> it's it's a really, really strange scenario. And again, even though the end is, it is heartwarming. And like I said at the beginning, like, I really love the theme of, you know, it. You, we're your friends and we love you. Like, we actually did mean all of those wonderful things, you know, we said about you. I know it's not the same scenario. And, of course, she forgives them. But she deserves to be real mad. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, endangering my life mad. And it just is sort of, like, swept under the carpet. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's really bizarre to me how she gets over this in, like, a five-minute conversation in the bathroom <laughs> stall. But when they read her diary from four decades ago, she can't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
really dangerous place. She's in a diminished mental state right here. I guess she's so down that she's just got to roll with whatever comes her way. I have no idea. And uh, um, I like the bathroom scene a lot because it's it's obviously exaggerated. But I do feel like you know, like I love when I'm in a bathroom and I hear either a fight or like an in depth conversation, or even like if I'm at a restaurant and I can hear a table next to me. Like one of our favorite games is like, are they on a first date? Are they on the third date? Like what's going on? And I love that little bit of um, you know, it's very Blanche. It's very like Tippy Osgood Blanche. I love to. <laughs> so I would absolutely love if I was in this bathroom line and I heard this like conversation. I'd be like, oh, what'd they do? Oh hell yeah! Even if you had to pee, right? It's yeah. Totally fine. <laughs> Why um, is this guy in here? What the hell yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> you guys can't be fighting over that guy. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I going back to Sophia when when they're in the bathroom. I love when she's with Willie and she's having like it's right before the reveal that she's not wealthy at all. But yeah, she's taking the little hot dogs in the <laughs> Ziploc bag. It's it's very Here, hold old lady. This. Yeah, <laughs> it, like robbing the uh, the fancy uh, you know banquet hall. It's perfect. yeah, but also yeah, it's it's um. I mean, believe me, I I haven't put them away in a little bag, but I've definitely sat there and just eaten the entire like row of that little uh, sandwich oh yeah for sure. <laughs> And spend going back to the bathroom. Like, that's kind of what banquet hall bathrooms are. Like, they're over the top. There's, like, six couches. You're like, what the fuck? Who's hanging out in here? This is so such a bizarre spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I get it. I get it. Um, a few other just, like, weird little tidbits. There is a scene on Lanai earlier in the episode where I swear to God they have a background and there's, like, the ocean. <laughs> they're, they're like, you guys, they don't live on the beach. Like, what is this? But it's it's actually, like, a weird cardboard, you know, set background which i feel like again second season things are changing it's mutable a little bit but i swear they painted like an ocean on the horizon i was like no no i'm sure experimenting with that new budget like (laughs) what else can we do besides cars (laughs) yeah they're like exactly we could drive cars maybe there's an ocean here it's it's really wacky um there also is very strange on the kitchen counter there's like this weird vase where like that like it's like holding a cone. It, I, it's it's very strange. It's like again like the a weird set dressing um, that like shows up <laughs> because again they're they're just playing with everything. I, I just caught it for like two seconds, but it makes no sense. Um, wait, we also have to talk about a smudge pot. It was in the beginning. It was in our intro. <laughs> oh yes, that's true. Uh, you know, I had to look it up, and for for, <laughs> for citrus farming, um, it's it's definitely like the place where it's like the source of the heat type of thing. It's kind of like a, um, you know, it's, it's basically providing protection against frost and it almost looks like those heaters that you put outside on the patio at a bar when it's cold outside. Mm. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, it's very bizarre and it just like burns dirty oil. (laughs) Like it basically puts out smoke. So it's like blanketing the entire orchard, um, so that it doesn't get frost to kill all of the uh, citrus, <laughs> which would be very, very important, you know, uh, when you have it in Canada. Or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> even, if it, even if it's domed. <laughs> well, we just gave a real lesson in agriculture. <laughs> I mean, look at that. It's amazing. Look it up, SpongeBob. I'm not sure how relevant it is today, um, but I'm sure in some, you know, like non-commercial area farms or maybe in the commercial ones, it's more popular. I'm not sure, but you guys can do your own research. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah all right i think we uh we tied this one up isaac cute newton and his really really awkward self um, yeah which i choose to believe just to preserve this episode's glee that he is just as innocent as they might have wanted to portray him and nothing bad happens the- yes agree <laughs> <laughs> uh 
All right. Well, join us next time when we discuss snowstorms in Miami and how you identify a real piece. (laughs) Bye.